0: Welcome to The Platform Journey, where we explore what it takes to build a successful software platform company and get the ecosystem flywheel going. We will interview seasoned innovators who have traveled this road before and can help navigate the way and share their lessons. Welcome, everybody, to our next edition of The Platform Journey. And today I'm especially excited because we have a fantastic company that probably some of you have never heard of. Uh, it's a company that's based out of uh, Australia, New Zealand, and has done amazing work in the uh, overall accounting and financial uh, financial services space. Uh, the guests today are the Chief Strategy Officer, Damien Tambling, and the GM, uh, EVP, uh, sorry, EGM, uh, Executive General Manager of their ecosystem, Nick Holdsworth. So let me turn it over to them, ask them to introduce themselves and probably correct their titles as well as we kind of get kicked off. Maybe Damien, let's start with you and just give us a bit of your background and also maybe talk a bit about Xero uh, itself.
1: For sure. Thanks for having me, Sam. minutes lovely to be here. Uh, yeah, it's been three years at Zero now and um, before that, uh, 20 years kind of consulting and in and out of kind of professional services, so working with... A lot of great tech companies around the world and venture capitalists and some of the people at, uh, at, at Tidemark even. And uh, in the last three years, watching Zero really scale from a business born down in the Antipodeans, down out of New Zealand, uh, Wellington, yeah. New Zealand, and watching it just really start to become that truly global company has been an amazing ride to be on. Uh, Zero is a small business platform that was um, started off the back of the founder, Rod, just realising how painful the experience was between um, him doing his kind of financials and accounting and, and the like for a business and also collaborating with his accountant and bookkeeper and so um, nick will talk more about the ecosystem part of our business but the original platform if you will was um, the software that brought those two uh, parties together and made the collaboration between them uh, more powerful and i think the accountants and bookkeepers realized that it was a smarter way to work and so in the end they became such a large customer group of zeros that you know evangelized the platform and kind of propagated it out to all their customers, uh, and so that's really where Zeros um, come from. It's a you know got three million plus customers around the world. You know, one hundred and fifty odd countries, uh, doing kind of you know four trillion plus transactions a year. Uh, has payroll, has scheduling time and attendance, has financial services components to it. So that kind of invoicing and original accounting piece is really a centrepiece of the business. But around it, we've um extended into areas and. For a lot of them, we've worked with partners, ecosystem partners, app partners that Nick will talk about in a second. So it's been an amazing journey.
0: Fantastic. So Nick, let's turn over to you and really kind of connect those dots with also the you'll get your background and a bit of your uh, particular role at uh, at Xero.
2: Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, so my, my role title is Exec GM Ecosystem. I, I had a conversation with Scott Brinker from HubSpot. I believe HubSpot were one of your guests before his his role as VP Platform Ecosystem. We, we like to joke that it's... Uh, Sometimes you have to explain what an ecosystem and a job title means and that you're not a marine biologist. I, I think I've been a, a, I've been a sort of nerd for platforms and ecosystems for over 12 years. I I started using Xero myself in 2009. As a freelancer, I needed a way to invoice and, and reconcile payments. My brother put me onto it, and I tried every accounting software, and this was the first one that made it easy. I think there was just a dashboard that said money coming in and money going out. I was like, oh, I think I can understand this now and uh but then what what really uh clicked for me was two things first of all that my bank information came in automatically so that that sync of data from your bank that allowed you to kind of send an invoice and get payment and close the loop on it was amazing but then I discovered in the like, the add-on marketplace probably only had about five solutions at the time but I discovered one that did uh, time tracking and I found that I could track my time invoice my clients and then send an invoice through zero in, in a few clicks and it was It was a really seamless experience that showed me how these pieces of software could connect together to create something that was greater than the sum of its parts at the time the most b2b software was pretty pretty badly marketed it was you know kind of stock photos and brochures of people high-fiving around a whiteboard but then you had the emergence of these amazing applications like hubspot mailchimp shopify that were really appealing to small businesses and and Xero was the same. People were raving about it on Twitter. I couldn't believe people were raving about accounting software. So I I got really tuned into the small business ecosystem and how these products stitched together, which uh, actually became you know, a, a role for me at a company called Venn, which is one of Xero's early application partners. I think we were one of the first five or 10 in there. And and Xero was a big part of our growth story. Together, we solved front office and back office for our small business retail. Um, but together, Xero provided a platform for us to grow internationally alongside many of our other app partners. And, and you know, that was a big motivating factor for joining Xero to create an environment where lots of small startups can grow alongside us, help us grow and work together to benefit small business. And that's that's really the focus of my role. It's, it's primarily our developer API and developer platform and uh, more recently the App Store where we actually help small businesses find those solutions, try them and buy them.
0: That's awesome. And again, what a what a great story. And when when he said four trillion, Damien, I I think I had to re kind of sure <laughs> that exactly so what he said. That that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's so right, maybe just right.
0: uh, so diving into that, right? So since you're the chief strategy officer, let's talk about a bit about the platform strategy behind what you have built, right? And you started alluding to it, but um, just talk to us a bit about how that came about. What was the you know the framing that you when you when you all thought about it and said hey we can bring more value to the customers how do you think about that platform strategy
1: yeah for sure well I, I think i i actually do think it came back to that original um understanding of that relationship between uh the the small business and their advisor and it, it's it, it's embedded in our purpose in fact you know to make um small businesses their advisors and communities Um, more prosperous, you know. So we are kind of thinking about those different customer groups and how they interact. But the accounts and bookkeepers that work with the product are often kind of working on configuring and using it um, to um, service all their customers. So if you will, they are platform users, but they're also customers for us. And so that relationship was almost the original incarnation of us realising that if you have these um, cohorts of of audience and cohorts of customers that can kind of, you know, one-to-many extend your product, then it's a pretty powerful thing to kind of lean into. But as we got into, as Nick said, you know, bank feeds and thinking of invoicing, kind of the fundamentals of, you know, an income statement, balance sheet and kind of cash flow statement, you know, that make the world go around understanding where your money's going and, and, and where it's coming in from. There were other areas around that that were like payroll being a great example that had compliance attributes mm-hmm. that were things that we found accountants and bookkeepers often dabbled in for their customers. Um, and that when you started to stitch up the data, it really kind of almost you know brought the product alive to another level. But as you went further out, we found this long, long tail of amazing opportunity as well that you know it was just never going to be feasible to get into. We were finding like you know huge amounts of reporting applications literally being born off the back of zero and being you know raved about by our customers and used by our customers, but were all quite nuanced in the way they were working and even as we went into different geos we were finding different apps pop up that were solving problems in different ways in the nuances of that geo and what was needed in that market or based on how people used and did their kind of small business management in that market so it became evident that thinking about a clever approach to apis and actually opening up the product to allow that long tail of organizations to kind of lean in was a logical next step and so it became a really um, almost synonymous part of i think zero's brand of being, being very open about wanting to work with others around, we win the customer wins and our partners win is actually the way to go. And as we've got um, bigger and bigger and evolved even in recent years where we've acquired other assets, we've also been studying to get, and again, Nick Nick, Nick and I work very closely together, nuanced about almost like sub ecosystems. So within payroll and uh, time scheduling attendance, for example, that's its own domain um, unto itself. And so thinking about what, combinations of APIs or different data or different things we could do to actually almost foster an ecosystem that specialises in that area. Of course, you look over at FS, financial services, or fintechs, and again, that's a whole other domain. And so we started out with something that was a little bit more in and around that accounting area. But as the ecosystem's gone to a thousand plus apps, we're starting to find these clusters pop up. And so we're thinking about how to service those clusters with a little bit more fidelity in terms of what we offer them and how we support them. And even the developer tools that uh, Nick and the team have been developing over time, thinking about what more we can do for them to develop more on top of zero that benefits our customers and theirs. So that's been kind of part of the journey and how we think about it. And you know, there's a lot going on as well in, in the market in terms of just you know using other channels to market and how you collaborate yeah. with them. And there's elements of kind of platform in that as well.
0: Fantastic. So Nick, just Bill again, building up on that, right? So we call this a platform journey, and I think for every company we talk to. It is a journey, right? No matter how you think about it, from a strategy perspective or mindset perspective, it is a journey, right? And it's an investment from an R and D perspective, from a developer ecosystem, from recruiting and managing the, the network of partners, and so on. Where do you feel like, if you represent the ecosystem, folks here, where do you feel you are on the on that journey, right? It's a again, sounds like there's been some amazing progress, but how, how do you how do you think about it from a from the continuous journey perspective? Oh, that's such a good question.
2: You're never satisfied, right? You're never quite there. I think it's it's really heartening to be invited to shows like this to talk about what we've done. And every now and then someone will reach out and say, hey, we, we love the way you're thinking about developer marketing or we're interested in what you've done with your subscriptions API. And it makes you feel like you're you're doing things right. But then we spend a lot of time looking at companies and aspiring to be. Even greater, even more successful, and you know we look at the, the Salesforce journey, we look at last year, and we look at you know, the iOS App Store, for example, and think, what choices do we make today so that we can unlock potential in the future? I think Damien touched on a really interesting point there around strategy, I, as he as he was talking, I, it made me think that strategy is about making choices. Platform strategy is almost about creating choices, right? It's kind of when you're making choices about where you focus that strategy, but on a platform, if it works well, it's creating options that you're not expecting. And, and sometimes the tail wags the dog. You 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 open it up, you work with a network of developers, and you're never quite sure what's going to come out of that, what magic, what customer innovation, which can continue to be in the ecosystem or could become much more closer part of your core proposition as well. And so I think when we think about our journey and where we're at, it is always about ensuring that we have that that playground for developers to solve for our customers in ways that maybe we can't get to it or didn't even think about. I think if I think where we are on the journey, I think in the early days of zero, there wasn't really a lot of strategy, right? There was a founder with a vision and, and he liked what Salesforce was doing and said, let's have an API and see what happens. And I think that was probably the first five to 10 years of the zero ecosystem, which was publishing APIs, working with early stage partners, building momentum and a community together. And, and I think it's not a, it's not a straight line either it's not a kind of start and finish journey it's it weaves and and moves and goes up and down and sometimes sometimes you are the best partner in the world sometimes it's a real struggle and i think i think we've matured a lot in the last few years in terms of not only how do we provide technology capability for developer partners uh, not only how do we build a great community together for our small businesses but how do we think about incorporating in our company strategy how do we ensure that you know we continue to feed and water it and how do we build Uh, both technical and commercial relationships together you know what are the right incentives on both sides to ensure that we continue to drive mutual growth for each other because you know inevitably part of platform strategy is that tension between things that the company could do and things that our ecosystem could do and so in the last few years we're really focused on uh, getting that kind of commercial incentive structure right so we can continue to invest in the great innovation uh, that will take us through to the kind of companies that we aspire to be as well but it's very early days for us, and there's still yeah. a lot of work to do.
0: We'll come yeah, back yeah, to the yeah. incentives. Oh, sorry, David.
2: please.
1: I was just going to say, Nick, 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 Nick touched on a really good point there. As we've got, Nick, you and I in the last few years working with a number of other zeros, have been thinking about just putting in place a little bit more you know, meat on the bone in terms of how people kind of think through the decision of you know, where we might play or are playing versus not. And mm-hmm. just as you get bigger, you kind of need to provide that scaffolding because it becomes less about just a couple of people gathering together and making some decisions on that. Generally, an ethos is, our ethos is the partner. Even when we acquire an asset in domain, um, where we did so with HubDoc, because we thought it was a really important one to have kind of close in, in our product stack, we've maintained fantastic relationships with Receipt Bank and others. Um, and we did the same thing with Plan Day, and we've maintained fantastic relationships with, you know, Deputy and other players. So we really, really try to kind of walk the walk when it comes mm-hmm. to that because we do feel at the end of the day it's about the customer choice. And... Um, we can provide great experiences with those partners as well as kind of things that might be closer in. Um, But that shot selection has become a really important part as much as it is the cultural encouraging and continuing to foster that sense of um, openness and and partnership as you go from, you know, hundreds of people to many thousands.
0: Well, you actually answered the question I was going to ask, which was
1: really, (laughs) I think that is one of the
0: big... uh, You know, all of us have been in this role, right? That is one of the big um, challenges, right? It's the... Yeah, you know, the build versus buy versus partner discussion is an ongoing one, right? And from a strategy perspective, you're you're accountable to your stakeholders and shareholders, and you have to do what, what makes the most sense for your customers. Uh, so, what I heard, and just I just want to make sure I, I play this back in the right right way, is you've dis- developed, are developing, or have developed a discipline to have that somewhat transparency, and both internally and to your ecosystem. You describe where are you going, what things you're dis- what decisions you're making, and allow them to then you know figure out whether uh, whether and how deep they want to continue their relationship with you. Is that a decent summary?
1: Yeah, it is spot on, Avanesh, and there, and there is a, a, a few components to it. There's been the component around from a strategic perspective, like where we feel you know is our kind of core business, probably let's call it one street over, and then then there's you know two through to 100 streets over and yeah. really being very, very intentional on that so that we can just be clear internally um, on our choices and, and know that these wide open spaces, maybe areas where we actually proactively go out and seek out partners because we don't have enough in a domain that we know is important. Yeah. I think one good example at the moment is around carbon, carbon credits and carbon calculations, mm-hmm. you know, sustainability, it's a huge topic, but it's quite a niche area, but we can see it in our strategic work that it's important to our customers so we may feel like there's not, not enough coverage in our ecosystem, so it'll be an area that we'll go out and really kind of proactively look to find the best of the best. So that getting that right internally is important. But we've also really moved forward a lot in terms of just the onboarding process and that kind of care that Nick and the team take when they're thinking about um, bringing a partner on and the steps that they have to go through to kind of make sure that we're, I suppose, got a duty of care to our customers and making sure that, um, you know, the way that experience should work does work that way. And then... We've um, really been bolstering, like a lot of tech companies, what we're doing in data um, and AI and ML and that domain as well. And so we've made some pretty big steps in terms of data governance principles and publishing those out to the market so that we're not just clear for our customers, but we're actually also clear with our app partners and those people in the ecosystem around what our expectations are because we want that like-mindedness in who we foster in the ecosystem. And we think it's, again, it comes back to that middle one, which is that duty of care. So we've done a lot of work in that. So it's kind of a, a system of a couple of things that, as we've been maturing as a company, we've been putting in place to allow the boat to go faster without it need to rely on you know individuals necessarily as it might have when we were a bit smaller. Um, but Nick, I mean, you might want to talk on yeah because you've been right at the heart of it as well. I,
2: I think you know historically there was always a kind of unspoken agreement that you know you join an ecosystem, but you might get Sherlocked as well. And and I think. You can be quite intentional around that like our our belief our strong belief and it's been evident through through activity over the last number of years is that the market is significant especially in small business and there's there's an overwhelming space for many players to play and so we found uh, the best way was to create transparency around that and one of the specific pieces of work we did over the last few years was to define our ecosystem platform principles we socialize them internally we publish them externally We make it really transparent for our partners that we will continue to foster customer choice, but that doesn't prevent our teams from building, acquiring into certain spaces. Uh, However, we will will continue to provide fair access on the platform for small businesses to choose the solution that works best for them. And so we found that quite a good rallying way to get the business aligned around the, the healthy tension that often exists between buy, build and partner. Um, you have to continue to, to live up to that, right? I think having a team in an organization that thinks about developers, thinks about the app ecosystem, continues to evangelize for them, and sometimes polices it too. Oftentimes there are discussions internally around, oh, this is kind of competitor activity, but actually there are people at Zero who say they're an app partner. You know, we have mutual customers together. We have a lot of shared value. And, and oftentimes that helps educate people internally on, on actually the, the balance between first-party and third-party uh, propositions. So there's been a lot of work in that space for us. And I think, you know, when we when we move into a category or when we acquire a partner, we're very thoughtful around the communication with those other partners in the category. Like we literally put a lot of effort into talking to them, letting them know, giving them a heads up and and, and reminding them of our principles, which is that customers will still have the option of choosing. And, and what we overwhelmingly see, and this may be consistent with what you've seen as well in your time, is that once you expose a certain category or use case, With your core brand interest in it skyrockets and actually it creates more opportunity for everybody if i think about the number of small wireless headphones that exist in the market today that never existed before apple did airpods right it's you can't move for them and they've got the lion's share of the market but there's a pretty good business being the the second largest producer of apple devices that's not apple and so so we see this as well right across our landscape it it tends to raise the tide for all boats
0: i think that's a great great perspective and i love the notion of a a documented ecosystem platform principles, right? I mean, it just puts so much credibility into what you're doing, right? That it's not a sleight of hand. It's not a, hey, we we'll change our mind. I, I love that idea. So kudos to, to you all for, for thinking about that. One, one question that I think is um, maybe a bit more unique to zero, but I, I think it'll be an issue that a lot of other, frankly, global companies out of the gate will, will have to deal with you're in the bookkeeping and accounting and financial services space, right? That has highly regulated requirements. So as you think about your ecosystem development, maybe this is more for Nick, uh, actually probably for both of you, how do you, you know, it's not like you're finding one partner or a small set of partners in any particular category. You mentioned payroll, you mentioned some of the other, other areas. How do you think about which of those partners to bring on and kind of how do you ensure that you're aligning with the different both business priorities, but also saying, Hey, if we go to country X or Y or Z, we may actually have to triple the number of partners because uh, it's not just a one single partner covering all of those. Yeah, actually, I
2: think there's probably a great strategy question there for Damien around, around mapping customer needs and, and actively pursuing partners. It's, it's a, I can speak to the inbound. It's, it is a bit of inbound and outbound, right? There's, you, you kind of create a platform and, and a, Attractive proposition that developers love to build with you, and you you open up for people to come and work on your platform, and then you have good governance processes around, you know, ensuring that they can build their integration, that they can uh, have it security certified, that, that they can manage the listing in our app store, that we can present it to customers, and and that's a an area that we've continued to refine over the years, both both in terms of people, developer relations is a big one, but also in terms of processes, right, like automating the kind of onboarding. Um, having click-through terms. We've, we've worked a lot actually on our sort of terms of use and security terms, particularly as a compliance pa- platform and particularly because we have a slightly unique position in, in that we also have integrations with large banking partners right. and also uh, government like the Australian tax office. And, and part of our obligation to the tax office in Australia is that we have to maintain a certain security standard within our ecosystem. And so we work with them on defining those principles, getting clear on what the requirements would be, but also having a threshold, right? Because part of the balance of an ecosystem is you still want to make it interesting and attractive and easy enough for a small developer to come up with an idea, but you have to also uh, ensure that you've got good governance if that becomes wildly popular or if it's likely to breach or create issues for your customers. So so we're always trying to walk a fine line between you know, increasing security and compliance, but also making a, a platform that developers love to use and can innovate on. And so, from an inbound, inbound point of view, there's that kind of onboarding and process. I guess it's about kind of creating surface area on the API so that partners can build with you, but also being thoughtful about what those use cases and categories are. There are there are some use cases where we we actually say no, because it's it's not aligned with our strategy or it's directly competitive. But yeah. they tend to be rare, and we tend to work very closely with our strategy and product development teams to get clear on what those might be. And for the rest, it's kind of a fill your boots. Um, and then there's the kind of outbound approach, which is to your point, like if we're entering a new market or as a new segment, then we need to be much more thoughtful about how we define what those jobs to be done are and who we might go and work with. And, and um, Dan, you can probably speak to the tremendous amount of work that's gone to this as we've evolved our corporate strategy.
1: Yeah, that, that last one's really interesting, I Evanesh, because it's kind of a double-edged sword. We've got examples of, say our partners like you know, Float, which is kind of based over in Edinburgh. And um, you know pulls on a number of different um, pieces of data and an API with the customer's permission, of course, to put it into a budgeting tool. So it's kind of amalgamating um, what's surfaced through Zero for a customer to provide them kind of an add-on that really helps them. Now they started over in their kind of home markets over in the UK, but actually Zeroes helped them actually take their products to all these other markets around the world just because right. of the nature of Zero being there. Now back the other way is a little bit different, where so you might have a country. where I'm based up in Southeast Asia, where we don't actually technically operate in the market, um, but you've got organisations that potentially want to become part of the ecosystem. So you need to be a little bit more intentional with that to be thinking about what the experience will be for the customer. So if you've got a a payroll product and uh, some other piece of the equation or the jigsaw puzzle, but you don't really have enough of the pieces or all the right pieces, I'm thinking about that in a very thoughtful way you know, in that direction is something that we are, are you know, very considered on um, just yep. because you, you can end up getting kind of pulled into a place in the market. Not that it's not tantalising and interesting, but, um, you know, you, you've got to you know really fully commit behind it. And and in fact, if you're not doing it that way and thinking that way, you end up doing the wrong thing by the partner anyway, because their expectations of support and other things may be a lot higher than, you know, you're able to, to, to offer. So, yeah, when it comes to kind of geo, it's, it's, um, you know, certainly something we're very thoughtful the about. The
2: dynamics are, are vastly different as well. Like, like you said, most listeners may not have heard of zero, but if, you, if you're if you in APAC or the UK, it's it's very, very common very well understood. And, and so there are parts of the world where we have gravity. Gravity is one of the kind of, uh, I guess, the metrics we measure as a platform, how many people are interested to come and work and join our platform. But when you go into Southeast Asia, you're still new. And therefore you have to be intentional, but you actually have to convince partners of the value proposition and why it's you know, helpful to work with you. And therefore, it takes a little bit more heavy lifting sometimes. And so we do, because we're spread across so many different geos, and we have slightly different brand awareness in those different geos, it does tend to inform our strategy based on whether it's an inbound or outbound approach.
0: Perfect. No, thank you. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about two other kind of important topics, I think, which uh, one of them you, were, you already alluded to, Nick, and, uh, and also one that I think is just stepping back a bit. So the one that you alluded to, which I think is a is an important one, right? Is incentives and incentives alignment. Are there particular things that you folks have designed, defined, in that incentive alignment that you think are, again, without anything confidential, of course, but things that you say, hey, you know, this has helped both on the recruitment and the engagement and the fuel engagement, etc. That you would say were somewhat distinctive or unique.
1: I Avenish, mean, like, is your
0: employees, or you mean more for the partners? Uh, actually, both, actually, because ultimately, if you don't align, then that also causes problems, right? So,
1: mm-hmm. either or or both. Which one do you want to take? Nick? T- I'm happy to take you start, you start, I've,
2: I've actually got, you got my dog know. whimpering at the door, so I'm going to let her out before you, because the, the noise is in the background. It's not me; it's my it's my pooch. So I'm going to let her yeah, out while you get kick off.
1: No worries. Sounds I'll good. cover it. I mean, so I'll talk about this, just the you know, zeros as employees, as our people, um, our most valuable asset. Um, we've been on the journey to think about how we integrate um, the relationships with the partners, um, encouraging um, attach, um, as yep. we call it internally, you know, getting, getting zero customers to see the benefits of some of the partners. And depending on who the zero customer is, what combination of app uh, ecosystem partners might be ideal for them based on their country or, you know, their size or what kind of business they are. So we've been on the journey there around really trying to kind of embed that within the KPIs of the organisation and our people to make sure that, um, you know, I, I you know kind of use the hamburger and fries analogy, you know, and sometimes yeah, it's yeah. the other way around. Yeah, sometimes it's the ecosystem partner that's actually the hamburger. Right, and right. Uh, they're saying, we love zero So if you're thinking about using an accounting Product, it doesn't look like you've got one you should definitely hook up with them because they know that the experience of their product will be, be will be better when we're brought to that conversation or that purchasing decision so we do try to encourage that kind of two-way street and do it right deep down in our organization um, so that's kind of where we're at on the internal side as for the partners i mean nick you know there's a ton that we do i mean zero con just as an example mm. is an event um, like a Dreamforce equivalent if you will um, yep. for those that know that with salesforce and so much has gone into that, and it's, um, I don't know what they call it, the Coachella, is it? for The Coachella
2: account- for accountants, yeah. yeah.
1: Coachella for accountants, right. I remember going to my first one. At well, I
2: think the UK called it the Glastonbury for accountants, for those <laughs> who are listening from there.
1: <laughs> right. And you've got to kind of go to one to see why anyone would kind of put those two things together. But a big part of it is the accountants and bookkeepers who are a huge audience for us, important customer, amazing channel, but also the rooms, the events, the canary wharfs of the world in the UK, if you know that yep. facility. Absolutely. are filled with app partners. Um, and so some of what we're doing there is really about trying to encourage them and incentivize them and bring them into the fold of those conversations in other ways as well that, you know, kind of encourages them to kind of want to invest more with us. Um, yeah. But that's just one example, Nick. I know you do a lot with the developer tools and other things as well, right? Yeah,
2: I think well, there are different segments of partners, right? There are those who, uh, my customers are asking for zero features. So I, I need to go and build it so I can sell more of my own products. And, and maybe they're not interested in building a relationship with zero, but they really just want the tech work to be easy. And so so we try to make sure that the onboarding, the development tools, the SDKs are good to go so that kind of reduce the friction for those building those applications. There are some customers that are just trying to solve a particular pain point for themselves, and, and maybe they just want to build on custom integration. Some of my favorite stories actually are, are um, customers that start solving a need of their own and then quickly realize that there are, tens or thousands of other customers with the same problem and we can actually help them get in front of those customers and that's probably and we've got a number of success stories from the platform of of uh accountants who didn't like the reporting that was out there went and built their own reporting uh there was one called futurely that was recently acquired for probably a significant sum of money after seven or eight years of building the ecosystem so we have these amazing success stories and i think that's kind of the third cohort which is okay, if I build this integration, I sold for my customer need, but Zero has over 3 million subscribers and tens of thousands of accountants all around the world. How can I leverage my relationship with Xero to grow my own business? How can I solve a pain point in one market, but then expedite my market entry into the UK, for example, because I've already got an established relationship in place. And so I think we've often, for a long time, we've tried to work on what those incentives are through a partner program, making it really clear and really transparent by, by letting our partners know, if they achieve certain milestones, they get additional benefits. And because and, it has to be fair and it has to be kind of transparent and, and has to work for both the small apps that are starting out and the larger ones that are growing. Uh, and more recently, we've kind of introduced an a, a app store model, which is effectively a, a standard commercial model where we will help customers discover, try and buy your application and, and a success fee to zero for those businesses that, that we drive you away. And I think you know this is a really important thing that has allowed us to be much more intentional about driving growth to our partners. Literally to the point where we can we can actually drive eyeballs from our millions of customers, track that they're trialling applications, and measure the uh, you know the CAC to LTV on those. And so, for those partners who are really motivated to work with Zero, they recognise that by having kind of shared skin in the game, it makes us motivated on both sides to drive growth. And so we're starting to see the the real positive benefits of that, but, but evidently it's a, you know, it's a change for some partners too. And so, so we're kind of being thoughtful about how we work through that. I, I often, I use shared commercial incentives. This is something I would advise anybody who's joining a platform or, or going to, you know, building their first Shopify integration or Salesforce integration is, you know, work out what makes that platform tick and how you can lean into it. What's likely to motivate them um, because that's the best way to kind of get your um to raise your awareness and raise your profile and get something mutually out of the relationship. And I, I do believe that shared commercial incentives are, are, are one of the key drivers of that. I, I often use an example, might get me into trouble, where it's it's much harder to break up if you've got a shared bank account. <laughs> and so, so, you know, relationships are much more formalized when you're both winning and making money together and, and you have a real motivation to continue to drive growth. And I think that's a big part of how we've tried to sort of level the playing field around those incentives.
0: And the,
1: I uh, uh, and Kavinesh, the, the ability to be able to allow an app partner to acquire a customer more efficiently than they could otherwise. And that yeah. being consistently compelling is, you know, really a, you know, that one of the hearts of the premise, you know, what we're talking about. So yeah. we're constantly thinking about what we do on um, various kind of content platforms that we have, you know, um, zero con events that we have. Like it's, it's a concerted effort of a whole lot of instruments we've got to be able to bring to bear to try and mean that if someone's coming to our app store, or working with us, they'll always look at that lead or that API connection or that extra subscription they've got and go, wow, that's the best CAC we could ever spend. And there's app partners in our ecosystem that are hundreds of millions of dollars valuation, billions of dollars valuation, and they've got 30, 40, 50% of their customers are zero. So you've literally created these huge companies and many of them that have literally ridden off the fact that that relationship is symbolic. Um, where we're winning they're winning and they're really winning and we're kind of good with that that's fantastic and you know the numbers are material enough to know that the CAC's working like it's really working but you know if if they've got any view of kind of a similar audience group or any view of a similar set of markets then it's a partner that we welcome into the fold yeah
0: that is all i mean again it it brings it brings a big smile to my face right because those those are the kind of things that really make make it work and uh, you know, having been on a few of these journeys, uh, I am truly truly both impressed by what you've built and and how how you go about doing it. Um, let's wrap up with one question which I think is important from uh, you know, if you step back again, you've had some amazing uh, insights and experiences that you've described here. If you were to talk to someone sitting next to next to you on a, on an airplane flight and say, "Hey, here's what how we're thinking about this. What are some of the lessons you would say you've learned and that would help someone, uh, perhaps thinking about building their own platform strategy, What are one or two things each of you might might say are key lessons learned that did you be you would share?
2: Where to start? I think um, I'll, I'll have a stab at it because it's a big question and there's a there's a lot of ways to cut it. Um, I think you've really got to start with your measures of success, get clear and aligned on on how you define success. In, in a platform is it. And, and you know, for us, it really is ultimately about customer usage. You know, how do we how do we deliver more value to our customers uh, in ways that we can't deliver on our own? And so leveraging our partners. And so the more customers that are discovering, connecting, purchasing, installing apps on zero demonstrates that our platform is providing value to those customers. Whether that customer started with zero and then purchased the app or whether they were already using the app and then that introduced them to zero. That healthy usage of uh, sharing of data and, and apps installed on Zero is a is a really important measure of of us delivering for our customers. It also, you know, has a huge positive impact on churn. Right, once a customer kind of connects two or three apps, they're much much more likely to stick around for a long long time, and and therefore, you know, as a business, we have to kind of come back to those first principles. What is the outcome we're trying to achieve? It's customer value. How do we measure that? And then how do we build a strategy around around realizing that? And then you know, there are a lot of kind of important leading metrics that drive that number, but I think it's really important to start with with your North Star. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, love it. Damien? I, yeah, I think uh, I'd say it relates to kind of what successful. So like, I but think about the why first. You know, yeah. we're, we're pretty passionate about small business. Small business do it tough. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're the mum and the dad, you know, you're the, the mentor, sometimes you're the accountant, and you're the person running the business as well. So, you know, anything that really makes um, great software and tools that make your life better um, and help you kind of focus on running the business, or, sorry, you know, doing whatever business it is you're in and not having to worry about some of the other things around it as much is kind of helpful, increases the success rate. And um, small businesses have such a big part in people's communities and lives. You know, small business is kind of family, if you know what I mean. It's yep. around the dinner table. Um, so I would be encouraging people to thinking about a platform depending on what business they're in is, Make sure, make sure you don't think it's just for the top end of town. Like being able to think about platform as actually a business model and a tool to actually um, get more of this um, benefit and technology out to small businesses around the world is a really great thing to actually have as a, as a reason to do it. So think about the why before you almost think about the how. And there's some magic in that, I think, if you can get it right. And also you can inspire your employees and your people with that concept of why it is you're actually going about doing it.
0: Love it. I mean, again, almost as a... That amount of social impact to it when right, 100 it does right? yeah. fantastic we
1: believe that
0: yeah well uh damien and nick i can't thank you enough uh, just uh, amazing insights any any final thoughts any anything just to you know the audience here is a lot of your peers so just any anything to, to add? if you
2: if you are thinking about building to accounting software come and talk to us We've got an amazing platform, beautiful developer experience, and an opportunity to get in front of millions of small businesses and accounts around the world. So um, I always close with a call to action. I can't help it. It's my marketing heart.
1: <laughs> 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 it's unique, unique times at the moment, I in the market, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of interesting times. It's in volatility. So um, for a, a, a tech founder, a tech entrepreneur, a fast-grade tech company, it's always a good time to think differently. Yeah. But um, boy, boy, you can double down on that when kind of, you know, the markets are moving around a bit and, and change is, is something you can lean into or step back from. So I think it's just more about, you know, discussions on platforms and some of the things that you're evangelizing in the podcast that you're doing, I think, couldn't be more timely in terms of people thinking differently about dealing with change in the world. So that would be my well, thought.
0: Well, I really, really appreciate that. Thank you both again. Congrats on the, on the phenomenal success. And I'm hoping that we can actually meet in person sometime in the next, uh, the near future. It's been a while.
1: Thanks so Thank, you. Thank, Thank you. you
0: so much for having us. So this
2: conversation could have gone on for a lot longer. It's great.
0: Thank you for joining us on this leg of the platform journey from Park, a growth equity firm purpose-built to help companies win and scale. For more insights, subscribe to this podcast and visit us at www.tidemarkcap.com. Dot com slash the platform journey.